Chapter Twenty Five of Opening a Chestnut Burr by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Twenty Five. The Old Home in Danger. Gregory retrieves himself. Gregory made desperate efforts to keep up at the supper table, but could not prevent slight evidences of physical pain, which Annie silently noticed. After tea he hoped to escape to his room, for he could not endure to show even his physical weakness so soon again. On the contrary, he was longing intensely for an opportunity to manifest a little strength of some kind. After his recent interview he felt that he could even bear one of his nervous headaches alone, but as he was about to excuse himself, Annie interrupted, saying, "'Now, Mr. Gregory, that is not according to agreement.' Do you suppose I cannot see that you are half beside yourself with one of your old headaches? Was I such a poor physician the last time that you seek to escape me now? Come back to the parlor. I will not go out to church this evening, but devote myself to you. Miss Walton, he replied in a low tone, when can I make any return for all your kindness? I must seem weakness itself in every respect, and I dread to appear to you always in that light. "'Your pride needs bringing down, sir. See how towering it is. Here you would go off by yourself and endure a useless martyrdom all night, perhaps, when by a few simple remedies I can relieve you, or at least help you forget the pain. I have not the slightest objection to your being a martyr, but I want some good to come out of it.' "'But I shall spoil your evening.' "'Certainly you will, if I think of you groaning up there by yourself while I am singing, perhaps.' I love to steal away from every cumbering care. Then I'm a cumbering care. Whether you are or not, I'm not going to steal away from you tonight. Come, do as I bid you. He was only too glad to submit to her delicious tyranny. She wheeled the lounge up to the fire and placed her chair beside it, while the rest of the family, seeing that he had his old malady, went to the sitting-room. I have great pride in my nursing powers, she continued in her cheery way. Now, if I were a man, I'd certainly be a doctor. Thank heaven you are not, he said, with a devout earnestness that quite startled her. What, a doctor? she asked quickly. Yes, no, I mean a man, and doctor too. I see no reason why you should show such bitter opposition to my being a man or a doctor either. Why should you? Oh, well, I think you are just right as a woman. You make me believe in the doctrine of election, for it seems to me that you were destined from all eternity to be just what you are. What a strange, unfathomable doctrine that is, said Annie, softly and musingly. It's nothing but mystery all around us, he replied wearily and dejectedly. No, not all around us, she answered quickly. It's clear when we look up. Faith builds a safe bridge to God and to him there are no mysteries. Her touch upon his brow thrilled him, and her presence was both exhilarating and restful. At last she said, I am sorry you have these dreadful headaches so often. I shall never be again. Why so? Because they have led to this evening. It has been so many long, miserable years since I experienced anything like this. Ah, I see, you have been very lonely. You have had no one to care for you, and that, I believe, has been the cause of half your trouble. Evil, I mean. Indeed, they are about the same thing, don't you see? The world is too large a place for a home. You need a nook in it, with someone there to look after you and for you to think about. 
He looked at her searchingly, and then turned away his face in pain. She could not utter such words in that placid style were she not utterly devoid of the feeling that was filling his soul with an ecstasy of hope and fear. Do not think that many of our sex are like Miss Bentley. You will see and choose more wisely hereafter, and find that in exchanging that wretched club life for a cozy home of your own, you take a good step in all respects. Would to heaven that I had met such a girl as you at first, he ventured to say. How different, then, all might have been. There is no use in dwelling on the past, she replied innocently. You are now pledged to make the future right. God helping me, I will. I will use every means in my power, he said, in a tone of deep earnestness, and, as a principal part of the means, determined to take her advice, but with reference to herself. After a few moments he said, Miss Walton, as I promised to be perfectly frank with you, I want to ask an explanation of something that I do not understand, and which has been almost a heavenly surprise to me. I was nearly certain before this afternoon that when you came to know what a stained evil man I am, was, interrupted Annie, no, what I am, character is not made in a moment. As yet I only hope and purpose to do better. I can hardly understand why you do not shrink from me in disgust. It seemed that both your faith and your nature would lead you to do this. I thought it possible that out of your kindness you might try to stand at a safe distance and give me some good advice across the gulf. But that which I fear would drive you from me forever has only brought you nearer. Again, I say, it has been a heavenly surprise. You use the word heavenly with more appropriateness than you think, she replied gravely. All such surprises are heavenly in their origin, and my course is but a faint reflection of heaven's disposition toward you and was prompted by the duty I owe to God as well as to you. Self-righteousness would have led me in Pharisaic pride to say, Stand aside, I am holier than thou, but you have only to read the life of the perfect one to know that in doing so I should not have been like him. He laid his rescuing hands on both the physical and the moral leper. As you have upon me, said Gregory, with a look of such intense gratitude that she was embarrassed. I deserve no great credit, for it was only right that I should do the utmost in my power to help you. How else could I be a Christian in any real sense? But there is nothing strange about it. Christianity is not like false religions that require unnatural and useless sacrifices. If I were a true physician and found you suffering from a terrible and contagious disease, while I feared and loathed the disease, I might have the deepest sympathy for you and do my best to cure you. I do loathe the sin you confessed inexpressibly. See how near it came to destroying you. While God hates the sin, he ever loves the sinful. I hope you will always be divine in that respect, he could not forbear saying with rising color. But her thoughts were so intent on what was uppermost in her heart that she did not notice his covert meaning, and said innocently, I will give you honest friendship so long as you honestly try to redeem the pledges of today. Then I have your friendship for life, be it long or short, said he decisively. With more lightness in her tone, she continued, And I, too, will ask a question that has a bearing on a little theory of my own. Supposing I had shrunk from you and tried to give some good advice from a safe distance, what would you have done? Left for New York to-morrow, and gone straight to the devil as one of his own imps, he replied, without a moment's hesitation. 
she sighed deeply and said i fear you would that is if left to yourself and the worst of it is it seems to me that this is the way the church is trying to save the world suppose a doctor should address his patients through a speaking trumpet and hand them his remedies on the end of a very long rod death would laugh at his efforts people can be saved only as christ saved them we must go where they are lay our hands upon them and look sympathy and hope right into their eyes if christ's followers would only do this how many more might be rescued who now seem hopelessly given over to evil those who won't do it said gregory bitterly are in no sense his true followers but are merely the hangers-on of his army seeking to get out of it all they can for self every general knows that the camp followers are the bane of an army come mr gregory said she gently we are not the general and therefore not the judge after this i shall expect to see you in the regular ranks ready to give and take blows they now joined mr walton and miss eulie in the sitting-room and gregory professed to feel and indeed was much better and after a little music they separated for the night although still suffering gregory sat by his fire a long time forgetful of pain high blustering winds prevailed all the following day but they only made the quiet and coziness of mr walton's fireside more delightful gregory did not care to go out if he went alone he wished to be where he could see annie as often as possible for every word and smile from her in the intervals of her duties was precious he did honestly mean to become a good man if it were possible but he saw in her the only hopeful means he did not pretend to either faith in god or love for him as yet but only felt a glow of gratitude a warming of his heart toward him in view of his great mercy in sending to his aid such a ministering spirit as annie had proved he took it as an omen that god meant kindly by him and through this human hand might save at last and he clung to this hand as the drowning do to anything that keeps them from sinking into dark and unknown depths he saw in annie walton earthly happiness certainly and his best prospect of heaven what wonder then that his heart lay at her feet in entire consecration apart from the peculiar fascination that she herself had for him he had motives for loving her that actuate but few if she had saved him from physical death it would have been a little thing in comparison but he shuddered to think of the precipice from which she had drawn him back he was cautious in revealing himself to her the presence of others was a restraint and he plainly saw that she had no such regard for him as he felt for her but he hoped with intense fervor yes he even prayed to that god whom he had so long slighted that in time she might return his love to-day he would close his eyes on the past and future she the sunshine of his soul was near and he was content to bask in her smiles annie had given her father and aunt to understand that their conspiracy promised to result in success and they treated him with marked but delicate kindness the day passed in music reading and conversation and it was to gregory the happiest he remembered one of the sweet may days that by some happy blunder of nature occasionally bless us in march and he made the very most of it its close found annie walton enthroned in his heart as for annie he perplexed her a little but she explained everything peculiar in his words and manner on the ground of his gratitude only and the glow of his newly awakened moral nature if she had been an experienced belle she might have understood his symptoms better 
but she was one of the last in the world to imagine people falling in love with her never having received much admiration from strangers with no long list of victims and believing from her own experience that love was a gradual growth resulting from long knowledge and intimacy with its object she could not dream that this critical man who had seen the beauties of two continents would in a few days be carried away by her plain face nor was he by her face but by herself men of mind are rarely captivated by a face merely however beautiful but by what it represents or what they imagine it does woe be to the beauty who has no better capital than her face with it she can allure some one into marrying her but if he marries for an intelligent companion he is likely to prove the most disappointed and indifferent of husbands on discovering the fraud the world will never get over its old belief that the fair face is the index of graces slightly veiled and ready to be revealed when the right to know is gained in nursery rhymes fairy tales and the average novel the beautiful heroine is also lovely and so in spite of adverse experience the world will ever expect wisdom and truth from red lips till they say too much till the red lips themselves prove the contrary then come the anger and disgust which men ever visit upon those who deceive and disappoint them beauty is a dainty and exquisite vestibule to a temple but when a worshipper is beguiled into entering only to find a stony misshapen idol and a dingy shrine this does not conduce to future devotion annie's face would not arrest passers-by and so she had not been spoiled by too much homage which is not good for man or woman but after passing the plain simple portico of externals into the inner temple of her sweet and truthful life the heart once hers would worship with undying faith and love gregory had come to interest her deeply not only on the ground of his need but because she saw in him great capabilities for good in all his evil his downright honesty and lack of conceit inspired a kind of respect she also saw that this excessively fastidious man had learned to admire and esteem her greatly it was not in her woman's nature to be indifferent to this fact she felt that if he could be redeemed from his evil he might become a congenial and valuable friend indeed and if she could be the means of rescuing the son of her father's friend it would be ever one of her happiest memories but with her heart already occupied by a noble ideal of hunting the possibility of anything more than friendship never entered her mind the very fact that her affections were so engaged made her blind to manifestations on the part of gregory which might otherwise have awakened suspicion still the confidential relations growing up between them made her wish that she might reveal to him her virtual engagement to hunting and she would have done so had he not resented the slightest allusion in that direction it now seemed probable that hunting would return before gregory took his departure and if so she felt that she could immediately reconcile them she came to the conclusion that her best course was to wait till she could bring them together and so make the reconciliation certain by her own presence and influence for now in her increasing regard for gregory she was determined that they all should be on good terms so that in the city home to which she looked forward the man she was trying to lead to true life might be a frequent and welcome visitor but it is a difficult thing to keep such friendships platonic in their nature under any circumstances and in view of gregory's feelings annie's pretty dreams of the future would be but baseless visions 
monday evening brought one of those genial domestic experiences that make home more satisfying in its pleasures than all the excitements of the world mr walton had a slight cold and annie was nursing and petting him while contributing to the general enjoyment by reading the daily paper and singing some new ballads which she had just obtained from new york her father's indisposition was so slight that it merely called for those little attentions which are pleasant for affection to bestow and receive the wind howled dismally without only to enhance the sense of peace and comfort within and at the usual hour all retired to rest without even the passing thought that anything might disturb them before they should meet again at the cheerful breakfast-table some time during the night gregory seemed to hear three distinct peals of thunder wrathful and threatening and then a voice like that of annie walton calling him to escape a great danger but it seemed that he was paralyzed and strove in vain to move hand or foot again and louder pealed the thunder and more urgent came the call of the warning voice by a desperate effort he sprung with a bound upon the floor and then realized what seemed thunder in the exaggeration of his dream was loud knocking at his door annie's voice called again mr gregory awake dress there is a fire there may be danger he assured her that he would be out in a few moments and had only to open a shutter to obtain plenty of light though he could not see whence it came in five minutes he hastened downstairs and found mr walton just issuing from his room and all went out on the front piazza gregory then saw that a large factory some distance up the stream was burning and that the fire was under such headway that nothing could save the building the wind had increased during the night and fanned the flames into terrific fury the building was old and dry inviting destruction in every part for a while they gazed with that fearful awe which this terrible element when no longer a servant but master always inspires susie had not been well during the night and in waiting on her annie had discovered the disaster a warning cough from mr walton revealed to annie the danger of staying out in the raw winds but from the window everything was apparent and silently they watched the rapid progress of the flames the fire had caught in the lower part of the building and was advancing up from floor to floor with its horrid illumination at the windows do you think i can do any good by going there asked gregory not at all said mr walton the whole of the new york fire department could not save it now and from the sounds i hear there will soon be throngs of people there indeed i am anxious about my own place when that shingle roof begins to burn there is no telling how far the winds will carry the cinders annie looked at her father in quick alarm then drew miss eulie aside and they immediately went upstairs with a more painful interest gregory now watched the scene the tall ladders which had first been raised against the building were withdrawn they were useless for the whole interior seemed ablaze great tongues of fire began leaping from the windows mocking every effort the rapid steps of those hastening to the scene resounded along the road and the startling cry of fire fire was heard up and down the valley till all merged in the shouts and cries around the burning building mingling with the deeper hoarser tones of men were the shrill voices of women showing that they too had been drawn to witness a destruction that meant to them loss of bread the foliage near was red as blood in the dreadful glare and the neighboring pines tossed their tasseled boughs like dark plumes at a torch-lit funeral 
with a sudden roar a pyramid of flame shot up through the roof and was echoed by a despairing cry from those whose vocation now indeed was gone a moment later a fiery storm of flakes and burning shingles filled the sky to the great joy of our friends the wind was from such a quarter as to carry this destructive tempest past them into the woodland back of the house which happily had been rendered damp by recent rains but a cinder frequently sailed by unpleasantly near reminding one of scattering shots in a battle a slight change of wind would be their destruction and a single stray firebrand would endanger them just as they began to breathe somewhat freely hoping that danger was past a sudden side eddy of the gale scattered a shower of sparks and burning shingles over the house and outbuildings mr walton immediately rushed forth and with a little whistle which he usually carried gave a shrill summons for jeff who lived in a cottage near but jeff was off to the fire and so did not appear gregory and annie also hastened out and the former ran to the barn and outbuildings first as from their nature they were most inflammable to his and mr walton's joy no traces of fire were seen one or two smoking brands lay in the dooryard where they could cause no injury but a cry of alarm from annie who had stayed near the house brought mr walton and gregory to her side instantly pointing to the roof of their house she said in tones of strong excitement see there oh see there a burning piece of wood had caught on the highest part near the ridge and was smoking and smouldering in a way that with the strong wind fanning it would surely cause destruction if it were not dislodged oh what shall we do she cried wringing her hands can a ladder reach it the roof is too steep even if it did said mr walton where is the ladder cried gregory by the carriage house but i fear it is useless will you help me bring it sir they instantly brought the longest ladder on the place but saw that though it might touch the eaves it would not reach the ridge the roof was so steep that one could not keep footing on it and when they took time to look and consider both gentlemen admitted that an effort in that direction would fail and probably at the cost of life is there no scuttle by which to get out on the roof asked gregory no quick annie get out what you can for we shall soon be homeless wait said gregory is there no way to reach the roof none that we can use a light and daring climber might possibly reach the ridge by the lightning rod after leaving the ladder where is it cried gregory eager to do something to make impossible even the thought that he was cowardly for the memory of his course in the counterfeiter's den rankled deeply no cried both mr walton and annie laying their hands on him your life is worth more than the house my life is my own he answered i will make an effort to save the old place quick help me here girls to zibby and hannah who now stood beside them in dismay take hold of that end of the ladder and carry it out there now push it up while i hold its foot there that's it i will do it you cannot hinder but only help miss walton get me a rope hurry while i prepare to climb with the help of the stout women whose strength was doubled by their fears and excitement he placed the ladder against the lightning-rod and siding of the house just under the ridge his tones were determined and authoritative he was now acting as annie would if she were a man and she admired and respected him as never before in two or three moments she and her father returned with a line but again expostulated mr gregory the risk is too great 
you can't prevent it he said firmly i absolve you from all responsibility i take the risk in spite of you make haste see how it's burning there that will do stand back even as he spoke he was climbing now that's generous said annie but if you are injured i shall never forgive myself he turned and for a second smiled down upon her the strength of his new-born love made him glad to endanger even life in her service and the thought i can at last win a little respect as well as sympathy nerved him to double his ordinary powers like most country boys he had been a bold active climber and his knowledge and former skill made the attempted feat possible the main question was whether in his feeble state his strength would hold out but the strong excitement of the moment would serve him in place of muscle he had thrown off his coat and boots and with a small rope fastened around his waist he swiftly ascended to the top of the ladder but there were three or four feet that he must overhand up the lightning rod in order to reach the ridge it was large and twisted and gave him a good hold but he had to take the risk of its being strong enough in its fastening to sustain his weight fortunately it was and he unhesitatingly commenced the perilous effort he made good progress till he was within a foot of the ridge then his strength began to fail and plainly to those below he wavered with white face clasped hands and lips moving in prayer annie watched him her heart almost stood still with dread and when toward the last he slowly and still more slowly overhanded upward plainly indicating that his strength was ebbing she cried in an agony of fear come back oh come back what is all here to your life a second before it seemed to him that he must fail that he might suddenly fall at her feet a crushed and lifeless mass but her voice revived him and the passionate thought came with inspiring power i can do more to win her love now than by years of effort and he made a desperate struggle gained the ridge and crawled out upon it panting for a moment and powerless to do more than cling for support the burning cinder was now but little in advance of him and he saw that there was not a second to lose it had charred and blackened the roof where it had caught and fanned by the wind was a live glowing coal the shingles under it were smoking yes smouldering had it not been for their dampness and mossy age they would have been blazing in a few moments nothing could have saved the house as soon as he got his breath he crept along the ridge within reach of the fiery flake there seemed no place where he could lay hold of it without burning himself it would not do to simply detach it as it might catch further down the steep roof where it could not be reached above all there was not a moment to spare he did not hesitate but with sufficient presence of mind to use his left instead of his right hand he seized the fatal brand and hurled it a fiery meteor clear of the house it hurt him cruelly and for a moment he felt sick and faint but a round of applause from those below for miss eulie and the children were out looking tremblingly on and annie's cry of joy and encouragement again gave him strength but as he looked closely at the spot where the cinder had laid his fears were realized it had ignited the roof a little water would extinguish it now but in a few moments under the wild wind that was blowing all would be ablaze he crawled to the end of the ridge and shouted tie a light pail of water to the cord not much at a time or i can't draw it up annie darted to the house for a lighter pail than hannah had brought and to gregory's joy he found that he had strength enough to lift it though with his burned hand it was agony to do so 
but with the now good prospect of finishing his work successfully his spirits rose he grew more familiar and confident in his dangerous position he did not look down from his giddy height and permitted himself to think of nothing but his task indeed in his strong excitement he felt that it would not be a bitter thing to die thus serving the woman he loved and in his false philosophy he hoped this brave act might atone for the wrong of the past it is the nature of noble generous deeds to exalt a man's soul that he can fearlessly face death when in calm moments he would shrink back appalled in the excitement of the hour and under the inspiration of his strong human love gregory was not afraid to die though life seemed with its new possibilities sweeter than ever before he knew that his strength was failing fast that reaction would soon set in and that he would be helpless and his great hope was that he could save the house first he determined therefore not to waste a drop of water and to make this one pale answer if possible he therefore poured it slowly out and let it run over the burning part the continued hissing and smoke proved that the fire had penetrated deeper than he thought the last drop was gone and still the place smoked a little more was absolutely necessary will my strength hold out he asked himself in almost an agony of doubt crawling back to the end of the ridge he once more lowered the pail fill it again he cried can you stand it mr walton asked i must or all is useless was his answer again but more slowly and painfully he pulled the water up annie wrung her hands in anguish as she saw in the red glare of the still burning factory how pale and exhausted he was but he once more managed to reach the point above the still smouldering spot and caused the water to trickle down upon it by the time he had half emptied the pail the smoke ceased after a moment it again faintly exuded but another little stream of water quenched the fire utterly but for five minutes he watched the place to make sure that there was not a lingering spark and then let the rest of the water flow over the place to saturate it completely he was now certain that the house was saved but he was satisfied from his sensations that he had but little time in which to save himself reaction was fast setting in he untied the rope from his waist and let pail and all roll clattering down the roof this noise was echoed by a cry of alarm from those below who feared for a moment that he was falling they all had the sickening dread which is felt when we look at one in great peril and yet can do nothing to help at first gregory thought that he would lie down upon the ridge and cling to it thus gaining strength by a little rest but he soon found that this would not answer his overtaxed frame was becoming nerveless and his only hope was to escape at once in trembling weakness he crawled back to the edge and looked over annie stepped forward to the foot of the ladder and extended her hands as if to catch him stand back he cried if i fall i shall kill you i will not stand back she answered you shall not take all the risk but her father who still kept his presence of mind in the terrible excitement of the moment forced her away and saved her from the danger of this useless sacrifice as soon as she could do nothing her fortitude vanished and she covered her face with her hands and wept bitterly the chief point of difficulty in gregory's weak state was to get off the ridge upon the lightning-rod without losing his hold and falling at once if he could turn the edge and begin to descend in safety 
His strength might hold out till he reached the ladder, and so the ground. But he realized the moment of supreme peril and hesitated. Then with something like a prayer to God, and with a wistful look at Annie, he resolutely swung himself over. His hands held the weight of his body, and he commenced the descent. Annie's glad cry once more encouraged him. He gained the ladder and descended till not far from the ground. Suddenly everything turned black before his eyes, and he fell. End of chapter 25